a bit. Uh, good evening. It's uh, Sports Goose 41 here, catching you guys with uh, Charles and Andrew by my side. Tonight, we have <laughs> a lot of stuff happened over the past week, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, today's uh, full of action. Heck, men's college basketball started today. Uh, so the season opener as well. Major League Baseball is over. World Series is done. Uh, NBA is finally... Well, we're starting to see some teams shaping up. Uh, the NHL is uh, pretty deep already one month into the season. Uh, let's see. What's up, Freddie? How's it going? Uh, NFL. Uh, we get to talk about... I actually, I, I'm actually happy this week. I'm actually happy this week. I'm not, I'm not sad. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not depressed. I think Charles is a bit depressed, though. Um, uh, and uh, college college football as well. And I'm actually happy for that, even though certain things happen. But uh, certain things also happen. I, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. There's a lot of stuff, guys. How's your week been? Say hello to everybody. Yeah. Hello to everybody. Hola. Okay. Well, that was a very quick thing. Uh, you guys had anything interesting happening? Uh, I'm unemployed, and I got to ice skate today, so that, that, that was exciting for me. Yep. Completely unemployed. Thank you, everybody. I mean, uh, you make me feel like Charlie Brown when they're going to Halloween trick-or-treating. He goes, I got a rock, and my rock is basically, <laughs> I had court emotions to file, and people being kind of insane. Yeah. Okay. That's fun. Um. Yeah, went ice skating. Went to my happy place, and there's a yeah Tuesday night action happening. Uh, so that you can look at the college football score crawl. You can look at the past week of the NFL and the score crawl. We got some basketball and hockey tonight, and of course, college basketball has started. Uh, including the Miami Hurricanes are hosting their home opener tonight. And um, yeah, uh, I I don't know, guys. There's so much. There's we can go to any sport. We might as well get to it. Uh, uh, how about the NFL? Want to go to the NFL real quick? I mean, that's what you listed first. So okay, I'll, we we'll go, go to the NFL. First. So, let's head on over to the Tank Bowl. <laughs> and and uh, in the background is NCAA College Basketball 2K3 for the Nintendo GameCube PS2 and the original Xbox. And uh, in celebration of college basketball season starting today so we, we will have that playing in the background with uh, the sounds and whatnots um yeah uh so tank bowl action we actually had a tank miami dolphins hosted their second tank bowl of the season at hard rock stadium and uh, it was against uh, our good old buddy adam gase and his really weird eyes and his bald head uh, and his new york jets who Frankly, uh, if anybody saw the the live tweeting I was doing as I was watching the game, it was it was quite the tank battle. Uh, honestly, I I had no idea who was going to come out the vector. It seemed like th this was probably because the Dolphins versus the Redskins tank. I mean, that was that was that was truly truly a beautiful beautiful battle. But then that 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 final that final play for that two point conversion for the win. And uh, that was probably the the massive shot that the that the Dolphins tank landed on the Redskins tank, and it completely destroyed the Redskins tank. So the Dolphins came out on top in that tank bowl battle. But the New York Jets, guys, the New York Jets was a was a 
it was a tank that the Dolphins had never encountered before, and, and honestly, um, it was it, it was um, it was futile. The, the the butt fumble tank is is so strong, and and it looks like the Dolphins lost their tank bowl battle. So uh, it, it shot them from uh, possibly having the number two pick in the NFL draft, and according to Takeathon.com, it dropped them all the way down to fourth. And the New York Jets have taken their spot. Uh, I don't know if you guys witnessed the tank bowl battle, but it was it was truly a sight to behold. I mean that. They just laid waste to that field. <laughs> Any thoughts, guys? Because I got mine. I, I got a, I got a good amount of it. Because I got to see it for once. Because typically on Sundays I try not to watch Dolphins games because they don't try. So it's a waste of me getting my monthly CBS All Access pass that I pay five ninety nine a month for just to see actual football. And then when the Dolphins <laughs> basically blew everything up and said, Brian Flores, I'm like, uh, Patriot coaches from, or coaches, head coaches from the Patriots don't ever do well, but whatever. I'm like, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm like, uh, Josh Rose. I'm like, ah, we just trade Kendrick. I'm like, oh, this is unwatchable crap. I don't want to do it. But instead of watching at my home doing laundry, ironing shirts, I went to the L house with my sister and my brother-in-law, and I got to watch a multitude game. So it was quite refreshing that when my eyes were bleeding red from seeing Sam Darrell throw a pick in the end zone, but it should have been done whatsoever near the end zone or whatever have you, even though I have questions about whether or not that was a touchdown catch in the beginning. Hmm. Um, I think it was, but I'm not a ref, whatever. I, I don't know black and white stripes. The, the refs have been um, really awful this season, but yeah. Ter- terrible. But it's great to look away from that to watch like the Kansas City game all stuff, but then when the Dolphins were scoring, I had my eyes on them. And, I don't know if it's a product of just that they found their groove after three weeks of instilling or installing Ryan Fitzpatrick as the legitimate starter, but maybe it's that or maybe the Jets are just terrible. Whatever have you is that the Dolphins found a way to tank and then also have their players help them win and then screw them over to help them with their tank. It's a double win. You got your one victory because no one wants to be the 0-16 team. Looking at you, Cleveland and Detroit for the next day. But then... Subsequently, Mark Walton, your leading rusher, gets suspended for four games for prior, uh, you know, policy use. And then Preston Williams gets injured. And Preston Williams, I'm gonna say right now, he's a camp training camp darling, but he's not a legitimate starter. And you only pop him in there because you had nothing. I else. mean, he was doing you... so well until he got, you know, injured. Um... I'm gonna keep to my statements. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but it, it's bad because here's the thing: he at least had something going on. Because Devontae, I thought was gonna be trade bait, but he wasn't. So now you're relying on just he Devontae Parker. He keeps dropping Parker. passes, so, you know. That uh, too. So now you're you're relying on Devontae Parker, and then Albert Wilson has one good hip. And then I don't even know who your actual backup is now because you traded Kenyon Drake away. Mark Walton's gone. It's Kalen Balazs. And Kalen Balazs was kind of getting some love last year from Adam Gase out of all people. Um, and then he got disappeared. And then you look at the Jets, and you're just like, I don't know where to start. Because I still am kind of high on Sam Darnold, aside from the class that came last year uh, uh-huh. from the quarterbacks. I think it's a product of a bad offensive line, no wide receivers whatsoever. Because when you tell me Robbie Anderson is supposed to be the assisting savior to that franchise, I chuckle laughing in your face. And then Le'Veon Bell is just crying. And that defense is really bad, man. For yeah. for a team that has so much money load up, C.J. Mosley, Quinton Williams with a third-round pick, they trade away Lennon Williams who wasn't doing anything. I think they had Tremaine Johnson or uh, another one of the high-profile cornerbacks, Marcus May, Jamal Adams. 
and you let Ryan Fitzpatrick just kind of whip you. You had no pass rush. And you know what goes to tell you is that you mentioned in the beginning of the football season, Francisco, mm. the year that the Dolphins decide to tank, there's three other teams are just as bad as them that might be in line for that first round or the first pick in the draft. Uh, I mean, it has been... Because, like, currently right now, it's the Cincinnati Bengals who are uh, on a bye this week. Um, they, they've been... They, they still are winless so far this season. The Falcons also have one win in this season. They were um, uh, they were on a bye week as well. The Washington Redskins lost to the Buffalo Bills, and they haven't scored a touchdown in 13 quarters. So their tank is truly a force to be reckoned with. Uh, Josh Allen, um, by the way, in that game, he, he already matches past touchdowns total. Uh, already this season. So uh, compared to last season, he had 10 last season. He's already got 10 this season. So the Bills look like a surefire shot to make the playoffs at this point. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the Dolphins, um, it really is. The, the the one, they could end up having like the number six pick and not and, and still have one win possible. I mean, it's possible. It is entirely possible. Um, but... You know, I still feel good about the fact that they won a game. It, it, it removes... Look, <laughs> the one thing the Dolphins can claim over the New England Patriots at this point is they still have the perfect season. Now, the, the, the Patriots have an undefeated regular season, but they don't have a perfect season uh, in taking it all away. So far, the Dolphins still have that, and the Patriots finally lost as well, and that was great. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't want that stigma as much as I love to bash the Dolphins, I don't want that stigma of 0-16 that the Lions and the Browns have, and the Browns are another matter as to <laughs> the Love it. over-hyping a team, uh, but you know, it, yeah, it happened a long time ago, and most people are either really old or dead from when it happened, but it's My still gosh. there. It's still there, you know. I mean, it, it's still something that that means something in the future. Um, regardless, and I'll, I'll post that thing up as soon as I can, Freddie. Thanks for for sharing there. Uh, I'm glad that they won. I think that look, at, Brian Flores got his first win. Congratulations. You know, he, it, it's obvious that he's not trying to tank because this is his first NFL coaching gig. You know, he's from the Bronx, he's he's Honduran, he's, uh, he's worked his way all the way up the ladder uh, of, of the coaching ranks, and and he's finally got a shot here, and it looks like uh, he's coaching the team better than Adam Gase has been coach, had been coaching the team. I, I don't think, if this team was being coached by Adam Gase, they probably would still be winless. Um, so, uh, I, I'm glad for him, I'm glad for the players, um... They're not trying to tank it. It's clear that the Dolphins, they, they keep trading guys away. You know, everybody's going away now. I mean, uh, uh, Kenyon Drake was traded away. He was. There's only one guy left from the Miracle in Miami play from last season. It's Devontae Parker, and he keeps dropping passes, even though he caught the um, he caught a touchdown pass and everything like that um, the last game. So he, he was fine. But, uh, yeah, but that Jets tank is awful. I mean, uh, Sam Darnold, uh, since he saw ghosts, has only has given not has had nine giveaways since since that game against the Patriots. So, I mean, that guy needs to like eat a blue dot or whatever and become Pac-Man because 
He's he's having an awful time. He needs some Ghostbusters. He needs an Exorcist. I'm not sure. Uh, he was in Miami. He could have done some Santeria as well. But uh, he has not been the same in these last three games after getting spanked by the Patriots, the Jaguars, and now the Dolphins. It's, it's really, really bad. Um, uh, there was that what was that awful safety uh, that they had. Uh, it, like, I, it was. It's really hard to not believe that players aren't trying. Like that, that they don't lose on purpose. Because when you saw the Jets and the Dolphins, some of those plays, that there's like, man, are you guys sure you're trying to win a game? Because <laughs> it, it seems like you're not. It seems like you're you're doing the best that you can to tank this. Uh, anyways, and, and the best part, well, Brian Fitzpatrick, uh, threw three touchdowns in the first half, which is the last Dolphins, Q this is how sad it's been. Uh, Dan Marino was the last Dolphin to do it, and it was 1986 when it happened, um, against the, I think it was against the Jets. And, uh, and then finally, I guess the piece de resistance at the end of all this, of this fantastic tank bowl battle, was, uh, there was a reporter from, I think it was the New York Post, or one of those, or New York Daily News, that actually asked Adam Gase if this loss to the Dolphins was justification for Stephen Ross firing him. Oh, oh, the, the massive wavels on that senor to ask him that question. <laughs> oh, beautiful. It was, I, I, and I said this before. I've said this before to you guys. If the Dolphins were going to win one game this year, or two games, let it be both against the Jets. Just because Adam Gase and the New York Jets. Ugh. Oh, so I I'm glad that they won. We got we got the one win. Now we can lose the rest. It doesn't matter. And, uh, yeah, everybody, uh, uh, if, you, if you're looking, well, wait, we have you an ad there. Into the Dead 2, now on Nintendo Switch. Team up. And, uh, yeah, it's presented by Ghost. There's some Ghostbusters in that game. And Sam Darnold, maybe you might actually want to play that game. So <laughs> that's our sponsor for today, actually. Nice. Someone else. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry, Astro Gaming. We'll we'll get you guys next time. Yeah, and Charles can download it on his Nintendo Switch. And you can too. And all you guys out there can download and play it too. And we can be best buddies. <laughs> okay, uh, Charles, uh, your Tennessee Titans. What's going on? Are you guys are you guys finally seeing the other side of Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback? <laughs> May I take this from the top, please? By all means. Oh boy. I'm get I water. was fine with Ryan Tannehill being traded to us because I thought that Marcus Mariota was going to be injured. Because last year when Mariota was injured, we had Blaine Gabbert. You don't want to cross Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert is the scuzzy guy at the bar with no teeth and bad facial hair that smells like three-day-old three trash and comes to you to talk to you and tell you how pretty you are. And you don't want to be impolite, but you know you're kind of drunk and no one's taking you home. That was Blaine Gabbert as the backup QB last year. So I was very happy when I got a well-spoken, mild-mannered, Bible-thumping Ryan Tannehill to be my backup quarterback. However, as I have said to you guys, I have said to other people, Ryan Tannehill is not going to make the team better from Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota is not really going to distinguish himself as being better than Ryan Tannehill. They're both kind of the same. The mm -hmm. problem is going to be the offense. 
And this is what I've been espouting to a lot of people that when you have a head coach who is defensive-minded and doesn't allow creativity in his offense, you are going to have some problems. And what happens is, is part of it's drafting. You know, we don't have a true number one receiver. Corey Davis is a number one by default, and by default meaning by default. You know, he would be a solid number two everywhere else, I feel. A.J. Brown is highly inconsistent. So we got him in the second round draft. He blown up. He blows up like every three weeks, but he's not there. And he's dealing with two different kind of quarterbacks because Tannehill's two victories were because they changed the game plan. Shorter passes, more five yards carry as opposed to going the deep ball. Mm. It's not a surprise that once you got rid of Marcus Mariota, who took some chances going deep, that it became more conservative offense. Part of the other problem is, as much as I like Derrick Henry, he's just a grinder. And pretty soon, he's going to end up becoming a shadow of the past Tennessee Titans, Lendale White, who's just turning around the small yards, but nothing that's really exploding or big. Because, yes, if he has a back-end season like he did this year, wonderful, excellent. But the problem is, is that this is still a winnable AFC South. And we haven't done it. The other part is, is that the free agency hasn't really panned out. Adam Humphreys has kind of been next to non-existent. And then all the other guys that we kind of collected in the in the sum of things, like Cameron Wake hasn't really played. Um, we got a center to be our backup whose name escapes me now because I'm a bad fan. Everything's coming out of hell. We were giving up a lot of uh, sacks, too. So I, that's why I felt that Mariota didn't get a fair shake because one Conklin was still out, so was Taylor Lewin. And then everybody's like, oh, I think it was Spano was the name of the center. But like, oh, well, you know, his completion percentage is not that good. This is true. So if you get a quarterback who obviously doesn't fit into your system, why don't you just alter the system around him and allow that dynamicness to come in? It's working mm -hmm. pretty well in Baltimore. And everybody and their mother is still shouting at the top of their lungs that Lamar Jackson is not a real quarterback. But you know what he is? He's a winning quarterback. And then the issue yeah. is the defense. My concern is that we talk about teams tanking. I have a feel that we're going to be finishing around. i got to look at Freddie's um, draft order for the Titans unless he wants to help me out. Oh, nine. Perfect. That's actually where I expected yeah, to Yeah, Freddie, if you're here, guys, can you post that up so I can post it on the screen here? I'm looking at your Fred rank from week eight, and I'm sure you haven't finished week nine just yet. Or maybe you have, but uh, anyway, sorry, continue. So my concern is we're at four and five. I think we'll win four more games. I'll be stuck at that eight or eight. So I might jump us a little bit to like the 12, 13 range. But we're going to end up taking a quarterback that I'm not really invested in a lot of guys here. And I'm afraid we're going to get Joe Burrow. And even though Joe Burrow has looked excellent, and, and Andrew can fight me on this because he is my residential and he is the sports news residential college king, you know, Joe Burrow has one very good year last year he was kind of a game manager and we've kind of been snake bitten by LSU QBs. Zach Menberger. Maybe he'll be a player we remember forget. I don't want to spoil the surprise too early. Um, but the thing is, this is called the pandemonium because we're in dilemma too. Do we let the contract option leave out for Mariota or does he realize he's not going to get real starter money so he'd rather have the opportunity to be a starter and take a reduction in pay? Not too bad. I think he can justify staying for like a year 12 million at best, a year 10 million. What's the average backup money? $8 million, he's not really going to be a backup, but you got to change it because Arthur Smith's not working it out. You know, it's great that they he, he knows Mariona because he was a tight ends coach. Fantastic. High five. I have known dudes for like, you know, 10 years. I still don't want to hang, hang out with them solo. I got to get other group of people. There's some dudes that's great, but they're not really contributing. You have an offensive mm -hmm. coordinator with this old school mentality of tight ends. 
well, we don't even have a tight end to give the ball to because the lane walkers hurt again and John New Smith just disappears. So either you figure out a game plan because what I hate, what you hear from the fantasy football pundits on that ESPN stuff, the NFL stuff, people who talk about is that he's explosive. Well, they can have an explosive offense with Derrick Henry and his slow molasses self running at 3.8 miles yards per carry. Ooh. Or, I mean, you know, he's, he's had 14 rush touchdowns since week 13 in 2018, you know. It's yeah, the most in NFL Nets fan. Well, let me let me be contrarian, Charles, here for a second, okay. which we should probably give me the title of when I go on this thing. That's week 13. <laughs> what are you doing in 2019? And since we're out here, if you guys can bear me for a total of two seconds, because I was actually bringing up these numbers coming in, for love of God, ESPN, you're killing me. You know, you talk about explosive. Well, you're not utilizing A.J. Brown, who can't find the openness. So this is Derrick Henry, right? We ready for this? We ready for this? Watch okay. me read my words. Uh-huh. If you like an quick 3.9 yards a carry. His longest has been 34, and he has touchdowns of six. Okay, so the touchdowns are nice. That's fantastic. He's fumbled three times. That kind of hurts. And his yards per game. You ready for this? Yeah. 71. Hmm. So you look at the scheme of things. You want to be a built smash mouth football team you're only averaging 71 yards a game and then your average per carry is 3.9 yeah you got six touchdowns that's great you're not really and mind you he's still higher than a couple other teams on the list but there's leaps and mounds because he's in contract year whereas in comparison dalvin cook 99 yards, 0.3. Christian McCaffrey, who's a god, 110 yards per game. Yep. 92 for one for net. Nick Chubb, fumbleitis right here. He's on the crappy rounds, 100 yards a game. Chris Carson, Mr. Seventh Rounder, 84 yards. Ezekiel Elliott, 92. Josh Jacobs, the rookie, presumably rookie of the year favorite, has 78. And you know what? They actually win on that team when he's leading the way. And then you got Marlon Mack, the Colts are 84. So, and, oh wait, let's even make this better for the fun of it all. Lamar Jackson has 79 yards a game. So, there you go. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on that. It's a bad storm. This team, please don't blow it up. I don't really support teams who support tanking, and I don't want to be the team that does it because part of it comes from the Yankee culture, which is basically the equivalent of the Goonies, which says never say die. But you got to, I feel, if you have the pieces on the offense and you think you need a quarterback, going to select a quarterback in the draft because not a lot of quarterbacks in college are that day one ready. Case in point, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, I would even venture Daniel Jones. You know, mm-hmm. Jones has been better than some of these guys, but he turns the ball over way too much. So you need to, if you guys say, if I have what I have now, and I know that a downhill Tom Brady was able to win the Super Bowl last year because Brady wasn't playing good in the playoffs, and he's not really playing good this year, in my opinion. And I know that even Joe Flacco, when he was elite Joe in that contract year, can at least win me a title. And, of course, Nick Foles can win me as a backup. What can I do to maximize the offense? And I think that's what's missing in our front office, and I think that's what's missing in our team. And I think that's kind of what's missing in Mike Grable. Was Carolina a better team than us with a second-string quarterback who only has his, what, eighth start of the year, that's the concern with Kyle Allen. They will cut you up a little bit, you know. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just a guy who yells on a soapbox. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, you guys uh, you guys are under 500 now, right? Correct. We're 4-5. Okay. okay. Uh, well, let's see. Any other NFL talk? I mean... There's some outside news here. We've got. Uh, uh, oh, actually, hold on. 
Let's see. Uh, Freddy's got his Fred rank, but let's see. We got the the Patriots finally losing to uh, an actual team, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they lose, so that's great. So the Miami Dolphins' uh, perfect season, the guys who are still alive, at the very least, are having their champagne as we well, speak. Well, not quite. Remember, you still got uh, San, Francisco. San Francisco. Oh, gosh. Yeah, How they'll lose eventually. You? They'll lose eventually. I forgot about them. They'll lose eventually. In any case, they're bound to lose. The offense, at some point, they're bound to lose. Um, So, let's see. So, uh, Lavar Jackson, who the Dolphins probably should have drafted uh, since he's from here. And, of course, the Dolphins do what they do and dolphin their way through everything. Uh, First quarterback with two rushing touchdowns versus the Patriots since uh, our... Our dearly beloved Tim Tebow in 2011. Um, the Patriots hadn't allowed a rushing touchdown to a running back since week 14 of 2018. And, uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson is now 12-3 and three since he started his career. And only Tom Brady and Russell Wilson have more W's in that time. So he's actually making... Uh, as Charles is saying, the, the, the Ravens have found a way to structure their offense around this guy. And it's working. It is definitely working. So. They're, they're leading that north, the AFC North. Um, and do, do you think they're for real, Charles? Do you think it's it's for oh, real? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you beat the Patriots. You beat because I've been saying that the Patriots were a product. Their record is a product of having like the easiest the schedule. schedule known to mankind. Yeah. yeah. And they they dazed Brady. They played good defense. The concern is that I don't think Lamar Jackson can win you a shootout if that defense breaks. Part of that is because they don't necessarily have the wide receiving core. Marquise Brown's still kind of inconsistent, and then your next best guy is Willie Sneed, and then their collection of you know tight ends. But if you're gonna go the formula of we have like an explosive, explosive wide out in Marquise Brown, we trust Mark Ingram to run the ball because he's actually been playing excellent for that team. Good pickup by the Ravens, and then Lamar let be Lamar, um, and. You know, I think problem is that some people don't want to say it's a legitimate contender because of their inhibitions to go against a quarterback who has never really. I mean, what Lamar Jackson is probably barely going to crack 3,000 yards this season because he plays safe, doesn't pass a lot, and runs a lot. You know who kind of did the same in the beginning of his career? Russell Wilson. Yep. Because when he first started in Seattle, that was the most conservative team you have ever known to man. Where they say rock solid defense a rock-hard running back, and then every now and then a few big plays with quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. And they went to two Super Bowls, which also, Russ, straight-up MVP. Don't bring me up with this Aaron Rodgers stuff. He's a fraud. He's a phony. Um, but the Ravens, they're legitimate. They're contenders. They beat the Patriots. What else do you want? Because you mentioned that the Patriots haven't lost since, I don't know, like week 15 of last year. Won the Super Bowl. I mean, they shut down Brady. Anything yep. that came afterwards is just stats, man. It's garbage time. They gave him a shellacking, thirty-seven to twenty, something of that nature. I won't hear none of it from the Patriot fans. All right, so uh, we've got the uh, Fred rank so far, and it's the the Tankathon version. As he's he's still got the Miami Dolphins selecting number one. So fingers crossed there from my end. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons picking at number two, which will be pretty interesting. Ooh. If that were to happen, the Jets at three, the Skins at four, and the Bengals at five. Those are the one in uh, no-loss teams so far this season. 
Uh, so we'll just leave that up there for the, the rest. Of the, and and uh, I guess uh, announcement, the Dolphins will play one game abroad next season. Uh, it's to be determined if it's going to be in either London or Mexico City. So we can take our awfulness on the road. And, uh, well, hopefully we'll have a hot shot quarterback that we can prop up for that game. And hopefully he doesn't die. Because, uh, um, you know, is it... I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a quarterback out there in the college ranks that's just fixing teams, you know? I mean, Marcus Mariota didn't fix the Titans completely. He didn't, um, Jameis Winston didn't fix the Buccaneers completely. I mean, these awful teams tanking to get these guys, and yet they're throwing them into the... I mean, uh, Sam Darnold isn't fixing the New York Jets. Uh it seems like guys that weren't those top picks, you know, like Russell Wilson or Tom Brady, things they they seem to fix teams or guys who uh, teams trade up for and, and anticipate, like the Kansas City Chiefs did with with Mahomes, or, or even um, what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers, having him sits behind Brett Favre for a few seasons. That seems to be the way things teams are having success nowadays, or, or finding somebody like Garoppolo, like San Francisco did, just picking somebody off who's who's ready to go from another team. It seems like just picking these guys at high draft picks isn't isn't exactly working. I mean, even uh, the Ravens picked Lamar Jackson uh, pretty low in that round, and it's working out for them because you know anything's better than freaking Joe Flacco, I would say. But still, uh, they're finding their organization is stable enough for it to work around it it seems like these tanking teams like the jets and the the freaking the Bengals and the dolphins and the washington redskins can't seem to figure it out and it seems like a never-ending circle i don't know i don't well, like there's it. a reason there's a reason to it though the teams that have to pick in the top five suck yeah you know the teams that you talked about you know remember with the patriots they keep when sucking. They got Brady, we keep seeing the new york yeah, jets it, we keep seeing the dolphins we keep... It, it, but it's simple. It's elementary, man. It's because your team takes years upon years to fix up. So it's a combo of bad scouting and bad yeah. free agent mix-ups, and then you're bad still building Because, you know, you mentioned Brady. They had Drew Bledsoe. You yeah. could have gotten some. You, you would have been fine. You, you would have been consistent. Maybe not as the massive Super Bowl rings. I'm not saying that. But in a sense of consistency. The Ravens had Joe Flacco. They traded for Lamar Jackson because, like, hey, man, you weren't doing enough for us. But they already had a solid build team. They had wide receivers, but they still traded for John Brown. At that point, or they signed John Brown. They signed Willie Steed. They signed, you know, poor, not Dez, but who's the other old guy, Michael Crabtree. And you mentioned the Chiefs. The Chiefs were coming off like an 11 and 5 season AFC, uh, I think, West title. Process, they had a wild funny. card. You know, they, they had all these things coming in because they were good teams who got better. The rich got richer. And that in that Green Bay team, when they got Rodgers, I mean, what, he fell down because they were afraid of whatever reason. You know, Alex Smith, number one pick, that's a bully on everybody else until they got uh, Rodgers in like the 24th pick. But that Brett Favre Packers team only had like one or two losing seasons going yeah. into it. So you already had teams built to design. Remember, if you have a car and all you need to do is just to replace the air filter, you have to deal with the bad, crappy air, but your car is still going. You let a couple of tires blow out, you can get derailed. And the problem was is they never built to put the car properly, never got the proper tires, so everything smashed and destroyed. Right? That's my analogy in football. I think it's pretty simple. I'm not even a car guy. It made sense to me. So bully to you <laughs> over in uh, Cleveland because you get one guy and you think it's fun, and then you're now two and six. Mm. You're probably good 
14. People look at you. I don't know how we got into Cleveland, but I'm doing it because I felt like they trust oh. shot. They, you know what they did? Yeah, they've Man, shot a lot it, of commercials with uh, Mayfield and all that stuff. But yeah. <laughs> look, we're, we're, we're talking about car stuff here. You know what the Browns did? They basically put the duct tape over the front of their bumper and spray painted it the same color as the car and said, it's new, man. It's good. It's sellable. Uh, uh. Uh. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Andrew, I don't know if you have anything for NFL talk. I think we've said not a lot. clue. Not so- well, no, 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 no. That's not true. You, you got something. I do. Mm-hmm. Up your sleeve. The reason why? Forget Lamar. Uh, forget. Uh, forget Dak Prescott. The real reason why the Giants won last night was that cat. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 hold on. We'll get to the cat. We will get to the cat. All right? Can you hold off on the cat for a little bit? I've got nothing to add. Okay? Just hold off on the cat. We're going to get to the cat. Okay? All right. In that case, I've got nothing to add. Okay, well, uh, we'll... uh... We'll get to the cat eventually. I just want to get to one of our to some of our smaller segments uh, transition here. All right, so um, we'll do uh, one of uh, segments that I, I I like to to have fun with. It's better to know a minor league team. There are four billion minor league teams out there, and and we we talk about them. We get to know them. So I decided to pick one out of a hat, and it is from the G League. They are the Westchester Knicks. They were established back in 2014. They play out in White Plains, New York, out of the Westchester County Center, which was built and opened in 1930. It's a capacity of 5,000 for basketball. They play in the Eastern Conference and the Atlantic Division. They have no championships as of yet, but they won the Atlantic Division in 2018. So that's uh, not the season prior to that. Uh, they've made a playoffs three out of their five seasons of existence. And, uh, yeah, they, they are the feeder franchise for the New York Knicks. And uh, their head coach is Derek Alston, who started uh, this season as their head coach. And that leads me into my next segment, Players We Remember to Forget, because uh, I, I decided to tie in the Better Noah minor league team with a player remember to forget. And that said player is Derek Alston. He formerly played in the NBA. There's good old Derek in front of y'all. Uh, he was a power forward and a center. He was uh, uh, he played out of Duquesne. He was drafted in the second round, 33rd overall. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers from 1994 to 96. And in the 96 season, he was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. And from there, he never played a single minute in the NBA again. He played in Europe from 1996 until 2012 became a coach uh actually he became a houston rockets assistant coach under kevin McHale, following his playing career in europe and then finally in uh he ended up in westchester as an assistant coach over the last three or four seasons and this year he finally won the head coaching job so good on good on you derek alston uh from the bronx from new york Made it all the way up to the G League, and he's uh, um, he's taking over a pretty, a pretty okay squad for the Westchester Knicks. Maybe uh, if the Knicks can actually let their players just state for a bit, they could be good someday after this. So, uh, yeah. So that's my uh, 
Those are my two little segments there, and, uh, and and because Andrew wants to talk about cats, I'm returning a segment here called the real MVP, and I posted it on the freaking uh, on our show sheet here. And Andrew, one of our real MVPs for this week is the Monday Night Cat. So please talk about the cat as much as you want. You're scrambling there. I see. I hear you. I hear scrambling there, Andrew. Unless he can't hear me. Well, if he can't hear me, then I'll, I'll just keep talking to myself here. Well, uh, let, let's let's give him some love into it. First off, this <laughs> cat has a name, Francisco. You just didn't know it. Really? But, you know, it was kind of a little bit near spooky season. And from my sources <laughs> in the season. NFL, my, my sources in the NFL tell me that my cat that came on the field between the Giants and the Cowboys, its real name is Thackeray Binks. And... <laughs> For those who don't know, Zachary Binks is a legend around the 90s in a movie called Hocus Pocus, but I'm almost certain that it's legitimately, it has to be it because there's rumors of a Hocus Pocus sequel coming on, which I don't want at all because, I mean, they all, spoiler alert, they all kind of died at the end, but maybe it's just so coming back, you know, at the very end because the cat dies, but the human goes on lives. Go see the movie. I know Halloween's over, but you guys got to watch it if you haven't seen it, but that's just to my sources, and it's kind of scary because Bette Medler's come out of the shadows a little bit. Real life imitating art, or is it art imitating real life? I don't know, Francisco. But I'll put that disclaimer as we're waiting for uh, Andrew to chime in. Uh, what were we chiming in about? Uh, the return yeah. of Thackeray Banks on the uh, football I, I'm letting you uh, go here. We, we've got your cat. He is the real MVP. I think. He is the real MVP. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, uh, you said you want to talk about it, so... Here we are. Well, I, I want to give a shout out to the, I guess the secondary MVP is Kevin Harlan. Yes. Who is amazing. He's got a, a great radio voice, but he also has a fantastic sense of humor. He called this the cat thing brilliantly, um, but he also called, um, he also called the the shirtless man at the uh, 49ers game a couple of years ago. If if you will, I could play it here on the screen. Give me a second here. He brought the walking. He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW people who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. <laughs> And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look at, they're trying to corner him, and they got him in the end zone. There are state <laughs> troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands, and the fans are running for their life. Now it goes back on the field again, <laughs> and it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel. Oh, gosh. There it is. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, uh, uh, fantastic work. Uh, people, the guys on the radio morning uh, programs today were having a field day with that. They were absolutely loving it. And you got to have fun. He even got the sponsorship in there. That was great. Uh, by the way, everybody, buy Into the Dead 2 on your Nintendo Switch. Uh, yeah, I'm so, so freaking glad that, uh, that that happened. It's just 
just fun things you see in sports. And, and once again, another black cat in a sporting event. Uh, it just seems to be a thing. Yep. Last one, last big one was the Marlins game a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we tried to make it a rallying point, but the Marlins sucked so much that it, we couldn't rally around that cat. <laughs> We're trying to make it like a rally squirrel type of thing, and just the Marlins just, nah, nah. Uh, the cat joins the pantheon of great animals that have been on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, a squirrel that made it onto the field a few years ago at a Louisville-Kent State game. Mm-hmm. Um, scored a touchdown. The <laughs> crowd probably cheered louder for that squirrel than their team. Unfortunately, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, hey, Steph A X zero one. Yes, we will support each other. That's what we do here on sports. Because yeah, we support the cat most of all. Most of all. Um, all right. So that's our. You guys have any other real MVPs over the the last week or so in sports, or or not? Nah? Um, probably. You know, anybody? Probably. I mean, we, we talked about it. Uh, Tobias Harris. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. He's a good one. All right. For those who don't know, Tobias Harris, just real quickly, I guess the plug on him since we brought him up is, uh, as I go to our documents, that's right, people. We actually kind of prepared, though you wouldn't be able to tell by the way I'm talking, donated a million dollars to nine Philadelphia charities to support education in the inner city. So, Tobias Harris, even though I think the 76 are still a fraud, you'd real MVP. Yeah, that was uh, actually really good um, uh, to, to help students and teachers in Philadelphia. I mean, they uh, education, you know, public education especially, really requires a lot of money. And uh, the fact that he donated a million dollars uh is saying something huge about his character so and the fact that he you know he did that for the city of philadelphia so yeah good good on you tobias harris you are you're the real mvp next to that cat and um we thank you for 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 that uh huge donation all right okay guys so uh i guess we can move on here to uh let's see we're at the 42 minute mark uh, Andrew, uh, do you want to talk about hockey a bit? I can talk about hockey. I'm not sure if you're you're up for it. Uh, sure, let's do it. Okay, so because uh, we love logos and uniforms and all kinds of branding stuff in sports, a uh, huge thing uh, over the the weekend is that the uh, the Nashville Predators unveiled their Winter Classic uniforms. That they will be wearing against the Dallas Stars on New Year's Day at the Cotton Bowl, and um, so let me go on a good old Chris Creamer's great SportsLogos.net website uh, to to show you what that looks like. And uh, I'm actually really I'm really glad. A lot of people hate it. I don't, did you see it, Andrew? Have you seen it? Yes, I have. Okay. What What are your thoughts on it? On the screen, I, yeah. I'm always a fan of when a team is able to harken back to its uh, its roots, even if it's not directly that franchise, but a, a team that was in that city. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you know the Miami Marlins. They use the old Miami Marlins uniforms, right, uh, as a throwback. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, so 
I like that. I mean, it may not be... Some people may not like it because it's not the fanciest uniform, although personally, I like the design. Yeah. Uh, you really can't go wrong with that Montreal Canadiens-esque look, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like how it harkens back to Nashville past, and that's always a winner for me, to be honest. And so what Andrew is um, referring to as far as Nashville past is that the uh, city of Nashville used to have a team called the Nashville Dixie Flyers, which was a minor league team that they had from like the 60s until the early 70s that played out in Nashville. And the uniform is basically a carbon copy of what they used to wear, except replacing Dixie Flyers in the wordmark with Nashville Predators and, of course, making this a white version of that of that set which kind of makes me hope that they'll make a like an alternate home version of it next season uh just to have i an could see them version. using that like if they no. were they, they held like a, a winter classic at nissan stadium whatever it's called over there right uh, like i, I couldn't see that being their full-time third jersey i don't think but i I think it would be something cool to throw in there every now and then. Yeah, like a Nashville Heritage Day type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I I love the secondary logo that they have with the an actual uh, with this uh, saber tooth cat in a different style than than their kind of extreme '90s look that they normally. Kind of reminds me of the Tie Cats logo. Oh yeah, that's actually yeah, that's actually a very good comparison. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so yeah, and and um, they, their word mark looks exactly the same, almost like the Dixie Flyers. The even the P kind of extends into the to that bottom stripe in the middle there. So that's that's a nice touch. It looks like there's a lot of people that hate it because they don't get the history behind it, or they're just dumping on the fact that two Southern teams are gonna hope are gonna be playing in a Winter Classic, which to them, but. I like it. I think the the Predators, uh, you know, it may not be a home run, but it's at least you know a double or something like that. And I I like it. I think it's a good uniform. And and, uh, and the, the only team we're waiting for now is the Dallas Stars, who have uh, announced the reveal date. Uh, so they will be revealing their uniform soon enough. Uh, the the only thing that they have so far is a kind of like a, um, and it, it looks like Chris Kramer has. Uh, found what they're probably going to base their uniforms off of. So far, all we see is what I think is the sleeve of the uniform in green with a, a shape of the outline of the state of Texas with a big D in the middle of it. And um, it looks like they'll probably and it just harken to the Dallas Texans who were also a minor league hockey team back in the day for the city of Dallas. And it looks like they'll be making green versions of that uniform. We'll see what the crest looks like. That's That'll be the most interesting thing about that. And if they'll have a shoulder logo. And, uh, probably no shoulder logo because they'll have a logo on the sleeve there. So uh, that'll be that for the, the NHL uniforms there. Um, as far as other NHL happenings, uh, Ryan Getzlaff. He's played a thousand games now for the Anaheim Ducks. Which is incredible that he's been playing this long, and uh, missed. Um, 
He's uh, he's the team leader in games played, assists, plus minus, and he's been their captain since 2010. And of course, he won the Stanley Cup. I think that was his rookie season back in uh, 2007 when the Ducks beat the Ottawa Senators. So congratulations to him for 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 that uh, accomplishment there. He's been in the league a long time, a very long time. I, I can't even imagine the Ducks without him, to be honest. It was him and Corey Perry and... And then it was just those two. So, and, and of course, Timu. Of course, Timu as well. But of course, he's retired since then. Um, and by Timu, I mean Timu Solani. If I, I need to educate Charles on on certain. I, uh, I, I'm learning things. Yes. There's T a guy who is basically, if I said his name, I'm call him Tima Mussolini. Okay. And I have to prepare myself against that. <laughs> uh, but if. Uh, but so well, let's talk about this real quick because you mentioned it. Winter Classic. Explain it to a plebe like okay, myself. So... I just know that's when they get to do stuff outside in the cold air, and it's, but apparently it's going to happen in a very southern area. Okay, Tennessee. so um, Charles, uh, we're going to educate you a bit about hockey. So the National Hockey League has, uh, I mean, consistently since 2008, but um, the first one was in... Uh, well, not the first outdoor game. The first regular season outdoor game was no, no, 2003. Uh, yeah, between the Edmonton Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens out in Edmonton at their uh, CFL stadium. And uh, it was kind of like a one-off thing. It was called the Heritage Classic uh, to celebrate, I guess, Canada, if you will. And uh, it, was, it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. And it was kind of a unique thing to have a uh, usually an indoor game that's played in front of 20,000 uh, more, more or less in front of, in an outdoor setting in the cold in the elements um, in front of 50 60,000 people so that was the kind of the cool thing behind it and so back in 2008 they re they reinstated it in a sense by the having the winter classic because uh, New Year's Day you have your college football that's usually what's going on on, on, on on that day. So NHL decided, hey, let's get in on this. Everybody's sitting at home on New Year's Day and uh, having a good time and whatnot. Let's have a hockey game around noon or whatever uh, before some big college football games are on and stuff and have our own thing. So the first one was between the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, at uh, what's now Neura Field uh, out in Buffalo. And it was also a huge hit. So the NHL decided, hey, let's just make this a thing. So they've decided, uh, then I think it was at Wrigley Field the following season between the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. And it was at Fenway Park between the, the Bruins and the Flyers. And it's been every year ever since uh, been uh, in a different outdoor venue. Uh, some historical ones, uh, Fen you know, Fenway Park, uh, Wrigley Field. Uh, and now they're, they're adding some more of the modern stadiums. And then they added from there a stadium series because the NHL just started going crazy with these outdoor games. They had like, they had one season they had like six of them in a year. And so in and, and venues that aren't as historical, but uh, but they're there. So they, now they've held them at, at this point, they've held them at college football stadiums. They held one at Notre Dame, I think it was last season. That I uh, recall. Uh, they they've held it at uh, modern NFL stadiums, uh, like Gillette Gillette Stadium held uh, held the, the the Bruins and the Montreal Canadiens. 
Uh, plenty of modern baseball stadiums. They held it at uh, Yankee Stadium, some stadium series games, the new Yankee Stadium, and at City Field as well. So now we're getting a mix of everything at this point. Uh, the NHL has, has been... I think they've held off a little bit with it now. They're, they're pulling it back because it kind of loses its luster if you do it too many times. And I think this year they held... Every two years they have a Heritage Classic which pits two Canadian teams against each other in the outdoor limits. And they usually play at a CFL stadium. So this, this year, year was uh, Winnipeg and Calgary right. in, in Regina. Right. Saskatchewan, which uh, does not have an NHL franchise. Uh, so it was actually... But it a pretty, does have a CFL franchise. It was actually... And, the, I think it was the first, um, first game in Canada... That was not held in NHL market uh, at hmm. that point. So, yeah, because Saskatchewan. And the reason I assume that they chose that location is because, and I looked it up, it's almost exactly equidistant between Winnipeg and Calgary. Right. Yeah. And it was a, a very nice match. It was a good matchup because it went into overtime. And both teams wore beautiful uniforms. Uh, the Jets hmm. were in their retro uh, 70s style uniforms from the WHA days and the Flames wore their original set. The one set that they should wear all the time, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's uh, those are your outdoor games and this is the f- this year will be the first one actually not really the first one because they've held it at Dodger Stadium before uh, between the, 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 the Kings and the Ducks but this will be the first truly Southern game in Dallas and our me and Andrew's hope is that one day we'll get one in Florida don't know where but I mean the only really truly viable venue would be Marlins Park it's the only place that could possibly support that type of game given the environment and yeah Into the Dead 2 I don't know if they have ice or anything in that video game but get it for your Nintendo Switch (laughs) <laughs> and yeah that's 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 even zombies play hockey yeah nhl outdoor games that's your that's your thing man that's that's what's going on so um okay so i felt that contributed a little bit because you know the hardest thing of being a casual I, I couldn't even call myself casual i know players but I, as a student of the hockey game that's what we'll call it i know there's a stanley cup and I'm trying to figure out what's the pseudo importance about doing it, of the doing the Winter Classics, without having any kind of big ramifications. Unless you're trying to tell me that well, we're going to bring in more attendance, maybe get more publicity. Well, on the yeah, this, the Winter Classics are a huge boon for the team that's hosting it, uh, and also for the team that's visiting because it puts them on. It's a national game. It's on a national stage. It's uh, it's not the only hockey game of that day, but it's the one that most everybody's going to watch because of the novelty of being outside. And this year should be interesting because it'll be in the South uh, at the Cotton Bowl. I gotta, I gotta tell you guys this though: having been you know, to open fields or outside and being in an icy rink, as we all remember from our venture. As a person, as a person paying a ticket, I would love to be inside a nice ice-cold rink for myself so I, I'm not sweating them versus being in Miami in the open 
damn field sweating well, and then dealing that's with why they company. usually host i mean it's on new year's eve so miami on new year's shouldn't be the way it is right now hopefully uh, have but, you lived in florida for 30 plus years yes i have and yeah. <laughs> uh dallas and dallas should actually have pretty temperate weather it's just enough to hold an ice rink though though you know you at least put on a light sweater or something and watch the game so it won't be uncomfortable hopefully by that time um and i'm actually i'm very surprised the nba hasn't taken this idea because there are more I'm, sh- I'm sure you could have an outdoor nba game in uh you know some of these southern markets if you will dallas uh, dallas miami los angeles orlando uh yeah. I'm surprised they haven't done it, just for the novelty of being outside and kind of like a street ball type of thing. Not sure, uh, but that's just an off thought by me. Uh, and actually, I want to get through these as well. So uh, another thing I'll educate you on, Charles, is uh, the NHL has three stars of the week. So unlike yeah, uh, that I know. basketball or or, fo- or football or baseball, they don't have a player of the week. They have a three stars of the week. Uh, because there are three stars named every game, the three best players uh, for every hockey game. So this week we have Elias Peterson, a sensational uh, sophomore uh, for the uh, Vancouver Canucks. He had three goals, six assists for nine points in four games. The Canucks went 3-0. and They they sit just outside of first in the Pacific Division. And he is uh, the defending. He is, he was the, named the rookie of the year for last season. So uh, that's he is the Calder Trophy winner. And we'll we'll educate you one day about the NHL awards because they have funky Canadian names, and we'll have to mm-hmm. we'll have to teach you about that. All right. And then right. uh, Jakob Vranen, uh for the Washington Capitals. He's a left winger. He actually had five goals, one assist, and six points in three games for the Capitals who went undefeated over the last week and are the best team in the NHL and they face my Florida Panthers on Thursday and so that gives me cause for panic because that's going to be a huge test for us but I digress there and finally Mike Smith who is I think like 36 or 37 years old at this point but he's still he's still out there for the Edmonton Oilers uh, the goalie he went 2-0, a .9 goals against average, which is basically like an ERA for a pitcher in baseball. So he's he's averaging less than a goal per game over the last week. 974 save percentage, so he saved 97% of his shots against them. And the Oilers, uh, they stumbled a bit, but they're still sitting atop the Pacific Division, and they still have uh, they still have Connor McJesus or Connor McDavid, if you will. He's kind of like... Um, I don't know. I don't know what you would call him in the uh, other equivalent of another sport, but he's uh, he's freaking a cheat code in hockey, essentially. And yeah, uh, Mike Smith is currently fifth in the National Hockey League with a 2.12 goals against average. So he's just a little over two goals per game. Uh, he's allowing in in his game. That, that should get you a lot of wins in this league. So uh, I think I've gotten us pretty much out to the... One hour mark. Andrew, anything else about hockey before we move on to our middle segment? Uh, I'm good. Okay, so we are at the halfway point, folks. So that means we have a word from our non-sponsors. We think of people, places, things, concepts, animals, what have you, that 
we have been enjoying the past week. So, uh, I don't know who wants to start today. I can start today. I don't I think I've started in a while. So, uh, I, I guess I'll start today. So, my, my non-sponsor is the Scott Raquel Youth Center in Miami Beach, Florida. <laughs> the reason I say that is because... Uh, I'm trying to find an actual good photo here, but it is a uh, we'll see photos here on Google um, It is a youth center. So they got all kinds of activities for the kids and whatnot But much like the Michael Jordan meme F the kids because I went there for ice skating for myself an adult human being man Man child whatever you want to call me. Uh, they have a nice rink there uh, a pretty small rink not a regulation North American size rink uh, maybe two-thirds of the size if you will but they squeeze it into that building and it's it's ice and it's still hot out here in florida so it's a great place to be uh they have open uh public skate uh, i think twice per week this week but uh you know you get two hours if you're a resident you get a little cheaper there if you're down here in south florida and uh yeah i was uh i enjoyed it very much uh skating is my happy place i am at peace of mind uh, you know, because all I can think about is not busting my butt and destroying my innards and my brain, especially because it's the one thing that I have going for me for my career. So, um, but I just get into this trance, if you will, kind of like a shark when you flip it upside down. You just kind of, I just go into peace mode when I go skating and I just love it. And I love ice skating. And if you haven't done it, go learn, you know, go break your knee whatever you'll 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 love the experience anyways or just laugh at your friends that don't know how to skate you know you could also do that but uh it's fall it's going to become winter you know go do wintry stuff even if even if you're in miami beach florida you can still do wintry stuff so uh yeah and uh that's uh that's my non-sponsor for this week uh promo code um um hmm. promo code um happy place we'll go with that all right boys who's up charles i'll take it so guys as we know francisco just lay out this beautiful monologue about happy place well for me what my 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 non-sponsor of the week, you know, it, it takes me back to a time of nostalgia where I thought was my happy place. And then it leads me to having a moment where I'm just cursing at the screen control hand and it takes me to a dark place because I grew up, we all grew up in the era, the greatest era of video gaming, the platformer era. Mm. Our Sega Genesis, or Nintendo's NES and Super NES, our PlayStation 1's, right? Before right. everything became the modern phenomenon of JRPGs and you know, first-person shooters and Fortnite and Overwatch and all that stuff. So I've had this game for a bit. It's been out for about a year and change, but I've only started now because two weekends ago I finished Control and Telltale Batman series. Control's great. Test it out. Telltale games are typically seven and a half and eight. But I was like, you know what? I got this for Christmas last year. It's a good deal, you guys, because you're getting three games in one. But uh, my non-sponsor week is made by Vicarious Visions or remastered by Vicarious Visions, is Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. And it has a full top-down redoing or remastering of Crash Bandicoot, Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex Strikes Back, which is still my favorite, and then Crash Bandicoot Warped. 
So I had already played Crash Bandicoot Cortex Strikes Back years and years ago when it was on sale on the PSN for like a dollar. But here's some honest truth, guys. I never played the first Crash Bandicoot. Mm. I played the second one. I played the third one. But I never got around to it because I played sequels. I still remember playing the second one. And I remember borrowing John Hogue's Crash Bandicoot Warped and spilling OJ on it. And it, it almost cursed there. It messed up his, uh, his gaming. But this was the right time to go back into it. And I got to tell you, that happy place feeling I had starting in here in the Aku Aku Go, Ooga Booga. I was like, yeah, that's great. Until I missed a platform jump for the 15th time. Or oh, I missed time something. Because that's how they get you. That's how they get you. They started with like, oh, it's kind of easy the first couple of levels. And then you need full attention. I had, I'm had i near the end. I'm like, you know, two-thirds of the way through. And I was going to play it during our podcast. But I said, nah, because I'm going to get too angry. And there's going to be the, the children, Charles. What about the children? But what I learned in my platformer days, and this is why we're the most resilient age ever to be born into this earth, forget the whole Genghis Khan era, forget the whole Romans, it's the platform eras, the, the eight, late 80s, 90 babies, we're the most resilient guys because when it comes to platformers, mama didn't raise no B. <laughs> I didn't give up. I kept pursuing because every successful box that I found, every successful level, every successful victory and complete level, beating the beating the bosses, Ripperoo. Before I jumped on, I was I was playing that big like rat dude with the machine gun who is basically a greaser. I don't give up because you know what, Crash Bandicoot doesn't give up on me, and it's still a lot of fun despite the fact that I'm cursing, slamming my fist in my knee pad because it's a back. It takes me back to an old time. Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Fantastic. It's probably super cheap. You can get on all the consoles. Look yeah. at those epic eyebrows. It's my eyebrows, you guys. <laughs> I just take care of the middle, get plucked every now and then for weddings, but it's my eyebrows. I am Crash Bandicoot. There's a little bit of Bandicoot in all of us. We are, was he a marsupial? We are that marsupial menace. Look how we just destroy boxes. I like destroying boxes. He becomes invincible. <laughs> Have fun. Three games. Yeah. One purchase. Get for your Nintendo Switch with your new happily downloaded Into the Dead 2. <laughs> You know, make it a great Christmas gift for everybody. Have fun with it. Crash Bandicoot Engage or Insane Trilogy. Promo code, fresh coat of paint. Nice. Very good. Very good. I've been, I've, I've been kind of wavering on it. I played the PS1 version of the first one. I guess, I, I don't know, I couldn't get into it, but maybe playing an actual modern update of it would get me into it. So, yeah, alrighty. Okay, Andrew, uh, you are up. My non-sponsor of the week is RuneScape. Uh-huh. I've been feeling pretty nostalgic the past few months, um, and I spent a lot of time on RuneScape. I would go over to the public library in my town, and my friend and I would sit at computers next to each other and we'd play for hours after school. Um, <clears throat> that was a, I had so much fun with that. Um, my mom thought it was ridiculous and I was wasting my time, which I probably was, but it was fun for me. Uh, that was kind of the first sort of internet community that I got involved with. And... You know, unfortunately, I lost the the information to my old account, uh, which is a bummer. But I recently started up a new account because nostalgia. Right. And 
I've been I it's been a while since I've turned it back on since I've been busy, but I'm thinking of doing it again. And I just it's so much fun. Um the graphics, I don't play new RuneScape, I play old RuneScape, which is what existed when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um the graphics are terrible by by today's standards. But who cares? It's more. For, I'm more for the gameplay than anything. Yeah. And I don't know. It gave me this sense of escape uh, when I was younger, kind of getting away from the. You know, let's be honest. Our teenage years weren't exactly the greatest. You know, you had to deal with bullying and all that jazz. So this kind of gave me a little bit of escape, and I had a lot of fun with it. So, uh, RuneScape is my non-sponsor of the week. Uh, promo code LUMBY. Okay. Alrighty. I Anyone don't get... that's played it will know what that means, and if yeah. not, it makes absolutely no sense. And that's the way I want it. Inside, inside joke. Inside reference. Alrighty. Okay, guys. So, uh, thank you for for RuneScape, Crash Bandicoot, and the Scott Raquel Youth Center for uh, being our non-sponsor for this week, whether willingly or unwillingly. And if uh, you guys want a willing supporter, willing sponsor, get yourself uh, into the dead too on the Nintendo Switch. All right, guys. We're finally in our second half. Uh, I actually wanted to do a segment we haven't done in a bit, and that's Gottlieb's Goons. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Andrew, you actually suggested a pretty darn good Gottlieb Goon, and it's a certain player from a really terrible franchise in the Cleveland Browns. Right. Uh, goodness, I forget his name. Jermaine Whitehead. That's our Gottlieb Thank you. Goon. Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, he is my got. I think actually my first Gottlieb Goon. Mm-hmm. Um, in short, he was... Uh, getting criticized on the interwebs for his play. Right. And he decided to go ahead and threaten one of the people that was... Not just one, several people, but yeah. So he threatened a few people, uh, threatened them with injury, and Cleveland did the correct thing and released him immediately. So... Come on, man. Yeah. I get it. It's not fun being criticized, especially when it's nameless people who don't know what it's like being you playing in the league. I get that. And it sucks. But either deal with it, turn off your Twitter, or just don't respond it is not you are not required to respond to these people it's it's not like where you are required to have media availability because of the nfl you have no obligation to use your twitter account so he just he screwed himself out of i don't know what his salary is but i can guarantee it's in the millions of dollars um it's uh, that's goonish, man. I, 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 I mean, it is. It, it's it's really dumb, and yeah, 
you know, he plays for the Browns, so that in and of itself would want you to kill other human beings. But, you know, he's on Twitter. Yes, he is a public figure, whether it's willingly or not, because he plays on an NFL team. It's uh, willingly. He, and he, if, if you're going to play in the NFL, you understand. It's not like you're going to play for uh, St. John's College up in Minnesota where you are lucky if you get televised by somebody. You're playing in the NFL. I get that your intent is to play the game, not to be televised. Right. But you kind of go into it knowing that you are guaranteed to be televised. Every game is televised. Maybe not you know, Sunday night football on NBC or Monday night football on ESPN. But... Every game is covered by one of the four networks. You know that going in. So, yeah, you are a public figure. And, you know, once you get that check mark on Twitter, you're considered a public figure. So, fair or not, you're kind of held to a higher standard when you're in a public position like that. I I think, well, I think it's just... Sorry, I was cutting you off. You can finish. But even if you take out the public figure thing, it's not okay to threaten anybody. (laughs) That's not cool. Yeah. Uh, Look, I I get that he was frustrated. It was he actually set those tweets from what they reported. He was still in full uniform when he was sent. He was just firing off tweets like that. And I think a Browns PR person basically took his phone away and got him out of the locker room before people could like ask him questions about it. He actually. Uh, he actually sent one to an actual reporter and to people who were just trolling him, you know, fans and stuff that Browns fans that are just frustrated, uh, after losing to the Broncos, uh, this past Sunday. Uh, but it's kind of, it's a, it's a thing that now teams have to deal with. It's an issue with the younger players nowadays, you know, uh, millennials or generation, I don't know what letter it is at this point or number, but you know, the new frontier of the eyes being on you all the time, whether it's this TMZ sports, whether it's uh, people with cameras, whether it's everybody just following you on your Instagram or your Twitter, your Snapchat, what have you. Um, you got to watch what you do and watch what you say and watch um, and watch what's going on. And, you know, sometimes you can't just take a shotgun to everybody as if they were zombies into the dead too for the Nintendo Switch. You just can't do that. You, you have to kind of... Play, right. be with an even kill, you know. It's hard. And it's, like, it's and hard. Look, I think we. I I've sent mean tweets to Customs and Border Patrol, <laughs> but in the moment, but not to the point where they could hunt me down because they could hunt me down. Uh, not to that point, you know. You kind of. I kind of wish some players kind of take it in stride. It's really hard to say that. It's really hard to say take it in stride. I get that. You know, you're going to have your trolls. You're just going to have trolls. You're going to have trolls like that. You're going to have frustrated fans. And you just have to learn to deal with it or just kind of just ignore it. But it's really hard nowadays because it's part of your status symbol. You are an NFL player. You're going to be, and you're from wherever, from small town, whatever. And this is your shot of being known to people and, and, you know, it is frustrating. It is unfair. You know, maybe it's not completely your fault that the Browns suck. And believe me, it's not completely his fault that the Browns suck. 
but yeah, maybe teams should have like a policy: no phones in the locker room. I have no idea how to prevent this, but it's going to happen again. This, he's not going to be the first one. Or the, he's not the last. He's not the first one. He's not the last one. It's just going to happen. This is just going to be a thing. So, I mean, losing his job over it, it sucks, but it is what it is. And he call, it, My mom always has the saying, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and I, I, you know. He, um, he asked for it when he sent out that those tweets. He yeah. asked for it. Uh, he he's got no one to blame but himself. But, he uh, he wasn't he wasn't under duress to do it. He knew what he was doing, and he pushed that send button. Try as he might to maybe blame somebody else, because he'll see sometimes, you know, oh they try to pass the blame onto someone else. Well, but. According no, he's, he's to, no uh, to blame but here on TMZ, they already he says he's deeply sorry for for his threats and stuff. And yeah, of course now, but he's kinda... deeply sorry that he got fired. Uh, yeah, well, it was a one-time thing. I'm pretty darn sure some team is gonna want him. Maybe he was he was undrafted out of Auburn. He played for the Ravens, the Packers, and now, well, most recently the Browns. He's a free safety. So, you know, he's out there. Hopefully his agent is ready to do some real good PR work. So, that's all I got for this guy. Don't know if it is any other thoughts. Nah, I, I said my piece. Okay. Listen, when it comes to the goons, you don't have to be a goon just for, you know, staying out to the public. It's also what you do to yourself. That's how we got to the Antonio Brown situation. It is kind of alarming that... I'll say this in his defense is kind of alarming how you don't have protections in a sense from the NFLPAs about free speech, but there's a difference between stating something as crazy as Antonio Brown does and then straight, straight up like threaten every single person known to mankind in that media session and people. You're, you're taught you know, when you're drafting to kind of build the thick skin. You should have been building thick skin since the day that you were in high school ball, man, because listen... Those uh, those weekend moms and dads are pretty tough on their kids. Come into college, those fans are pretty tough on you. It's just one of those things where you just got to let it fall off your back. It's tough, I get it, but sorry, Whitehead, you kind of a goon. Uh, all right, so that's it for that. Uh, all right, boys, let's let's move on to uh, another segment here. Or, or actually, uh, Andrew, because you are our resident college football guy, you've been... Um, uh, covering the games for the FIU Panthers, and uh, yeah, you actually covered the last game against Old Dominion. So let's 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 talk about college football now, since we are let's we are here. And uh, I'm very happy. I, I was sad, but then I was happy about what happened at Florida State. But go ahead, dude. You, we got Tuesday night action and all that stuff, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got the Ball State Western Michigan game on right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, so... I love me some wet Tuesday night match. So, I guess we'll start with... uh, Let's start with my thing, all right? So, Florida State finally fired Willie Taggart, and you don't... You thought it was too soon? I think it was too soon. Don't get me wrong. He sucks. (laughs) He sucks. 
okay. we at UCF, he used to be South Florida's head coach for right. a few years. So we've we've had we've had a lot of dealings with him. Uh, he is he's not as good, and obviously. FSU, his time at FSU will point that out. But he is not as good as his re- his team resume. If you just look at the teams he's coached, you would think he's a great coach. Uh-huh. He started... Who did he start with? Let's see. Well... I, I know that he jumped from USF, from South Florida. So he was originally the head coach of Western Kentucky from 2009 That's to 2012. Then USF. Right, right, right. He went from Western Kentucky to USF to Oregon for one year. Right. Then to FSU, which is apparently his dream job. Right. Um, if you look at his head coaching record, he's not that good. He went sixteen at tw- uh, sixteen and twenty at Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He went twenty four and twenty five in at South Florida. He went seven and five in his one season at Oregon, and he went nine and twelve in two seasons, two one and a half seasons at Florida State. So and he's for- coached. Overall record fifty six and sixty two, and lost one bowl game. That's his. That's that's it. So he, mediocre. He coached. He coached. He's coached for nine and a half years. Started in twenty ten. Uh, he's been to one, two, three, four bowls, and he is. He's got a seven fifty record. Not bad, um, but. He, he is not that good. I honestly have no idea how he climbed so high up the ladder. He he's uh he fail for he fails for he fails upwards, you know. And now exactly. he's got he's got I, a golden parachute right now because the Florida State uh, FSU buyout was seventeen million dollars, which is the second largest in NCAA history. I think. Like, I think. It, it's... Like, I can't be too sad for the guy. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. This is his dream job, and I would be heartbroken if I was the head coach at UCF and I got fired after one and a half seasons. But he's got 17 million reasons why he should be happy. Uh, it, it's just... And I, I think... I, I can't remember exactly, but I think I read somewhere... That his total buyout packages, when combined, was over thirty million dollars. Dear Lord. He, he oh could, boy. He could, if he invests correctly, he would not have to coach another game in his life, and nope. he would be fine. But no. he's gonna. But yeah. Oh yeah. He's gonna. And that's another question, but I'll get to that in a second. Maybe you could take FAU's so, job when, when Lade Kiffin comes to Florida State. <laughs> although, and that's another hey, thing. That's let me finish with Tagger, and then I'll get to Florida State. So, that being said, 
even though he is a terrible head coach, I still think they fired him too early. My personal, and again, I have absolutely no hiring or firing power at any school, nor do I know the inner workings, but my personal thing is I'd like to give a coach three years. Two years of, like, no risk of being fired. And then the third year is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year, depending on how the first two years went. Yeah, because your recruiting class should be pretty pretty much everybody that you've recruited. Exactly. The players that you bring in, and that's a big thing, is the, the players that you recruit are big on how it affects your coaching because... For one thing, the players are used to you. They came for you. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day at the FIU Old Dominion game, which happened to be senior day. The FIU's current head coach is Butch Davis. And this is... He's going on two and a half years as FIU's head coach. Yep. And most of the seniors did not come to play for him. They came to play for Ron Turner, who got fired in the middle of the 2017 season. Coincidentally, the team that quote-unquote got him fired was UCF, and I was there for that game. Um, But I digress. And when you bring in players, like, for instance, I'll use Scott Frost as an example. Uh Um, George O'Leary rarely have ever recruited players from Orlando for no discernible reason. And he was more, he played a pro-style offense, so more prototypical type players. When Scott Frost came in, thanks to his experience over at Oregon, which is uh, hurry, up no, uh, hurry up no huddle offense, fast, 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 you can't go fast enough, um, he wanted speed guys. So he brought in Mackenzie Milton, who is a body-wise. Yeah. No one should pick him up. He's short and he's light mm-hmm. for a prototypical quarterback. Prototypical quarterback is usually someone about 6'3", 250 pounds. Traditional, or, stays or, in the pocket, that type of stuff. Exactly. Like Blake Bortles, for example, is the quote-unquote prototypical quarterback, or Ben Roethlisberger. If you if if you tell any head coach, okay, what is your prototypical quarterback? It's going to be one of those guys. Um, Mackenzie Milton is none of those. He's maybe five foot eleven, and again, size is a relative thing in sports. Five foot nine is the average height for a male, maybe about 180 pounds. So he's taller than average, and I don't know his weight, but it's certainly not 230 pounds. Uh, he'd probably be lucky if he made 200 pounds. But the kid, the kid is ridiculous in mobility, and he has a cannon of an arm, and he is smart when it comes to play calling. Now let's go to another player that that Scott Frost recruited, Adrian Killens. Killens is tiny. He's five foot eight, maybe 160 pounds. 
but he is lightning quick. Uh, one guy, TJ LSU dad, who's become kind of an adopted UCF fan, uh, once said about a kickoff return that he did that he's running like Jesus was in the end zone. <laughs> he is fast. I oh would God. put him up against anybody in the NFL, and I bet he would beat 95% of them. He is fast. But he is small. So, no one would really give gave him a second so, look because so, of his size. So your point as far as the coaching is because Scott Frost, those guys came for him. Correct. But more importantly than that is that every coach has their own play style. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens, thank you, Danny White, for choosing Josh Heupel to replace him. Josh Heupel also runs a hurry-up type offense. So a lot of the players that Frost brought in could easily be plugged into Heupel's offensive system. So, but, so your your criticism of Florida State letting go Willie Taggart too early is that he's still not working give, with his entire recruiting class. Time to develop. Okay. So they, um, they they should have at least given him the third to fourth season to see if like okay. These are all completely your guys now. A whole turnover of seniors. Let's see what you got now. Exactly. If you do the three-year thing like I like, a player that you bring in is either going to be a redshirt sophomore or a true junior. By that time, most of the player, most of the players from your predecessor have matriculated out. You've really only gonna you're gonna have your redshirt juniors. Redshirt juniors, your seniors, and your redshirt seniors. But your your true freshmen, your redshirt freshmen, your true sophomore, and your redshirt sophomores, and your juniors are all going to be your guys. By that time, you are, and not just that, but you also have the guys' time to hopefully buy into your system. I, I, I the thing is, look, the Seminoles, they've lost a lot of games in the second half this year. They've led big going into the second half of a ton of games this year. So I, I'm not saying that. It, I still think that's coaching. It, I mean, the talent was there, but that's coaching. I, it's just that it's unacceptable at big, giant name school like Florida State for that to happen so frequently. And we finally we get to our rivalry game against the Canes. In Tallahassee, and they spanked us. It's just, mm-hmm. it's hard. Emotion. I, I get it from, and you're an outside perspective from this. I get it, but me, Seminoles fan, Florida State, the tradition, all that crap, Bobby Bowden, what well, you know, all that stuff. It's, it's. We can't have the Miami Hurricanes going in there and winning twenty-seven to ten and not doing but you anything. Can, Francisco. Gosh darn it! But you can. <laughs> Gosh darn it! No. I, 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 I held on to it for so long. I even let Andrew have his whole soapbox <laughs> of the little child deserves to be at the big kid table. It's unacceptable you know, because UCF is the greatest thing ever. But now it's my turn. Go ahead. And you want to know why we won? Because. We won because Willie Taggart is Willie Trashard. 
The boosters didn't really want to hire him. They just went with him because it was best case available, and they still overpaid him. The man had how much money to buy out? Nearly 17 point something million dollars, and they all went out like, you know, a panhandler on the streets asking for cash, and everybody put it. That says something, because I think they also paid out his remaining bill from, what was it, Oregon? Um, or whatever additional school that FSU had bought out on, because nothing was working. Hornetbrook wasn't working. Blackman wasn't working. The run game wasn't working. The defense didn't buy into it. I mean, what, the first week when they lost, or they almost came losing? No, I believe they lost. He's just like, oh, hey, you know, we're gassed. We didn't get hydrated, you guys. I'm like, what is this? Come on. And you got Miami. We're not doing so hot either, but I always said our season was going to be 7-6 and six anyway, but you know, part of the reason why we won is because we actually put in the right quarterback for once, Jaron Williams, because God knows I was sweating really hard bullets when I saw him Kosey Perry was starting. Don't get me started on that guy. Erratic, inaccurate, thin as a toothpick, whereas Jaron Williams, yeah, he doesn't move the chains that well, but dang it, he does some good stuff. We play hard defense. We were eating them up, and Willie Taggart looked confused. You could see it on his sideline. It was like me in a math class, and the teachers. No, I'll even go further than that. It was like me in law school, where Roman asked me to answer a math question, and I blanked, man. <laughs> and I just looked at somebody else. So like, cause you guys remember when he would do that, and he would play oh the whole thing. He's like, "Your lawyer is you didn't go to law school for math." I'm like, "You were right, sir." You know, Willie Taggart was setting up like he's playing a video game. You know, like he was playing Madden or NCAA, but he wasn't doing so good, so he can take his $17 million to play Into the Dead 2 on his new Nintendo Switch or Nintendo Switch Lite. Buy it now, available all stores, get for the Christmas holidays. Indeed. But, you know, you know, for us, it was great because Francisco, like I said earlier in the podcast season, when even though the Yankees don't win the World Series, and I was on a very high World Series or bus thing, we got the general manager, Dave Dombrowski, who just delivered them a World Series championship a year prior to be fired. And for us, we can go like four and eight for all I care for at this point. And then we got a coach who was owed a lot of money to be bought out because what this causes is more destabilization of FSU. And I'm not really even a big purveyor of rivalry games. All teams, you know, are going to be discarded if it's not SC Love. Don't get me started on LSU Alabama. We'll talk more about that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I'll take pleasure in this. But if you're coming to me, because you're not the only FSU fan who's happy, so I'll leave it at this. To quote The Rock in Moana, you're welcome. You're welcome. That's all I got to say. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh... and now let me, clar- let me clarify. Okay. I think he was going to be fired inevitably. I could see the direction that this was going. That, or he was going to try and jump to some other, you know, whatever, but yeah. But But I, 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 like I said, I still feel like he should have been given another year and a half chance to try and right the ship. He's inevitably headed for firing. Uh, well... But here's the thing: if it's inevitable, why not just do it now? You know, because you, you never know. You never know. You never know. No, 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 no. We knew. You know. Oh no, we knew. Yeah. Like Ooh. here, for instance, um, George O'Leary with UCF. He went. I think he lost 17 straight games to start his career at UCF. Yeah. We held on to him. He got us our our first ever bowl but, appearances. Okay, so little table, big table. But the the thing is, 
you already you already kind of said it yourself. He's been mediocre at best at every stop he's been at. So he's once again like I mean he's been he's had three other jobs before this as a head coach and he's been sub five hundred for all of them. So what else is there? To which be brings expect? me back to another thing, which is why the hell Even did they with... hire him in the first place? Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, we. It was kind of like how the Miami Heat signed all of those horrible contracts after that one 40, 30, and 11 finish to a season. And, you know, just, I don't know, they got drunk on something. And they just, you know, they they uh, they made a lot of mistakes. But now they're making up for it now. They're making up for it now. That's that's all I want to say. And, and once again, our lasting legacy is, of course, that horrendous backpack. That is the lasting legacy of Willie Taggart's tenure here. Florida State. Yep. Okay. So. Um, and I'll just briefly recap since that was really the big news of the week. Um, but just as a a look ahead at who everyone's playing this week. LSU um, Alabama. <laughs> what's that? LSU Alabama. Yeah, that's the big one. Uh, that's. Both end up getting potentially. That's potentially a college football playoff. Yeah, college football playoff matchup at some point. Potentially, but you know they might just put two SEC teams anyway. So, Um, let's see. This week, uh, the Canes are going to be facing off in Miami Gardens against the Louisville Cardinals. FIU is heading up to Boca to play in Shula Bowl 18 against main rival FAU. UCF has got the Tulsa Golden Hurricane out in wonderful green country, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Skelly Stadium, if I remember correctly. And uh, what other big games are there this week? I mean, K-State is facing we've, off against Texas. Uh, you know, we've got three ranked games this week. Mm-hmm. We've got Penn State, Minnesota. Uh, what is that trophy called? Uh, oh, I should we've got that. Iowa, Wisconsin. And we've got... Uh, yeah, I think that's the only... Those are the only ranked games... There's a chance that UCF could reappear in the top 25 polls uh, if they do well this week um, because they're currently sitting at the unofficial 26th place, which um, I guess I'll do a quick uh, learn-a-goof for whatever it's called. Yep. Um, to educate a goof. Educate a goof. Um, I like learn-a-goof better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Minnesota agrees to extension with P.J. Fleck. So I had mentioned in earlier, he's the former head coach at Western Michigan, now the head coach at uh, at Minnesota. Apparently he had been linked to rumors to go to FSU, but Minnesota put the kibosh on that, and they're keeping him. Um, and that's another thing. Two people that have been linked to to Florida State are Bob Stoops, former head coach at Oklahoma, um, and uh, current head coach of Dallas in the XFL. I think it's Dallas. Yeah. And then Lane Kiffin, although Lane Kiffin appears to be off the market based on a tweet that he put out, which was 
uh, a retweet and a response to somebody who said, who would stay at FAU when given the shot, or who would stay at FAU when given the shot of going to FSU, to which Lane Kiffin responded, me. Nice. Oh. So we'll see. Uh, so I really don't know who would <coughs> go to FSU. I'm not saying that people would w not want to go there. It's it's going to pay a pretty pretty nice. It's going to be a nice gig pay wise. And but I just mean I don't know who the boosters and the search committee will find. Yeah. Uh, I assume it's going to be someone from a lower conference, such as the American Athletic Conference. That or that seems to be the poaching ground right now for Power Five teams. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe the MAC. Who knows? What about Les Miles, you guys? What's that? What if they go? What about Les Miles? What if they go big here? Unless he's teaching elsewhere, or not teaching, coaching elsewhere. Uh, I think Les Miles is. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's one year into a pretty low stress job because Can Kansas fans have very low expectations for their football team. You know, they went winless in 2015. And they're actually having they got a their... pretty good game against the Duke Blue Devils. This is a really good game between Duke and. Sorry, I was I was looking at the score. That's all right. They have higher expectations for their basketball team. Let me just say that much. Oh no, but that's a good game going on between them and the Blue Devils right now. If you, you know, so to say it. So I don't think Les Miles is going to go anywhere. I don't think Mac Brown over at UNC is going to go anywhere. I don't think any of these older coaches are going anywhere, just because it's kind of a lower stress gig. I really don't. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to do it. I. It's going to be someone be from. Fun. That would be really fun. <laughs> that would be fantastic, and it would. It would. They'll uh, shell out the money. That's for sure. They'll, they'll shell out the money, no doubt. Um, but it would be interesting to see how Florida fans resolve the cognitive dissonance. He brought them two national championships, but now he's for the enemy. Yeah, uh, so that well, would be that would be fun. He's gonna have a lot of fun, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of the like a quick rundown of college football. Oh, something I wanted to mention. Um. Two things. One I was going to mention way at the beginning of the show, uh, but I forgot to mention is that yesterday was the 30th anniversary of one of my favorite movies, uh, Wallace and Gromit, A Grand Day Out. Mm. Oh, you didn't put that as amazing a non-sponsor. That should have been my non-sponsor. Uh -huh. Dang it. <laughs> All right, so I, I have co-non-sponsors this week. Um, okay. And then the other thing I was going to mention tomorrow is the official 150th anniversary of the first college football game between Rutgers and Princeton. Okay. They've been celebrating the 150th anniversary all season, yep. but tomorrow is the actual anniversary. Alrighty then. So, uh, okay. So, uh, I wanted to move on to some NBA talk because we're finally starting to see, see things take shape. We had our players of the week for the NBA. Uh, this past week, it was uh, two big, giant names here. Anthony Davis for the Los Angeles Lakers. 
Uh, he's first player of the week award for a Lakers since Kobe in 2013. It's been a while. I, I can't believe it's been that long, but it has been. Uh, he had a 40-point game against the Memphis Grizzlies. He had 31 against the Dallas Mavericks. And he had a double-double, I think 25, and I forgot what else, versus the San Antonio Spurs. He's uh, And the Lakers are 5-1 and one right now and have been doing uh, pretty good. They, they're doing as they were expecting to do with these two guys, and he's fitting in quite nicely in this kind of like um, rental period that the Lakers have to convince him to stay in Los Angeles because uh, he's a free agent after this season. And then uh, for the East, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who averaged 25.3 points, 13.3 rebounds, and 6.5 and assists, as the Bucks also sitting atop the Eastern Conference. Well, actually, sitting slightly below in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they won, they were 3-1 and one over the week, but one of their losses was against the Miami Heat, who are in first place in the Eastern Conference. They play the Denver Nuggets tonight. Guys, it's been a while, but the Miami Heat are back to relevance, to true relevance. And I, I, I'm i happy. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I will wake up at 3 a.m. and practice with you anytime if this is the way things mm-hmm. are going to be. Uh, the Heat are 3-0 and since he arrived from uh, paternity leave. And uh, they, have, they are ranked top 10 in offense and defense so far, and they just... They just did a lot of very uncalled for things against the Houston Rockets that I think required police intervention because they did some very bad things to that team and it was not very nice because they destroyed them. Dear Lord. Woo! Charles, we're back. <clears throat> just call Flo Rida. Mm. Tell him to make a sequel to the song that he made of We Already Won when it was announced that LeBron, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne... Wade, we're all getting together. We'll call it a sequel. Because here's the thing of what what we're standing on, Francisco, is that us getting Jimmy Butler was kind of criticized by everybody. You know, they thought it was going to make it. Especially out in Philly, who they finally lost yesterday, finally, against the Sacramento Kings. But go ahead. Because they're frauds. The frauds. You know, the phonies. The Philadelphia phonies. Okay? The 76er phonies. We've got a lot of names we can call them here. Yeah, don't worry. But... People have to understand, and we've said it. Spolstra's the second or third. Now I'll go and say fourth. He's fourth a freaking coach great coach. And you, you you give him one guy who can actually shoot the ball, an ISO off dribble, or just run around. It could kind of make amazing things happen. Do you believe in magic? I do. It's beautiful because he was already a good defender. I gave him poo-poo on the show in the past because I didn't think he would fit in Philly. And guess what? I was right. Yeah, I'll take it. High five. High five, poo, yay me. But he works here because he's asked to kind of share the load but not to be the overbearing offensive scorer. But he's still, I'd rather have him be the first go-to guy. Chris Nunn has kind of come out of nowhere. Kendrick Nunn. undrafted rookie. Kendrick Nunn, I'm I'm thinking Chris Dunn over in... Uh, I think he's still in Minnesota, but that name's confused. But Kendrick Nunn, come now, nowhere. Justice is not screwing up. Goran kind of on the bench works, because even though he's on the second unit, he's playing top minutes. Like, he's averaging between 25 to 35 minutes a game. Tyler Hero, showing that Pat's still kind of a genius, even though he went with the safe pick. 
I mean, he shoots a little bit too many shots for my liking, but he's been kind of Shooter's decent. Shooter's got to shoot. Let us highlight him. Shooter's got to shoot. Let's, I mean, his defensive game can kind of just up a little bit, but defense is relative. Get, don't but, worry. They'll you know, coach that yeah. into him. That's for sure. But just now, this is what he is. Guys, we know we're just five games in the season. We're obviously blowing it up because basketball – it's basketball. You kind of know after, like, I and agree, disagree with me or agree with me on this one. After twenty plus games, you kind of know where your placement falls. Yeah, that's around and, the quarter mark of the know, season. Yeah. So to be for this kid who's five games in, but he's averaging fifteen points and six rebounds, that's potential. I wouldn't be surprised if the points kind of dip, so the accuracy. But he's at least keeping his pace here. Um, we got some Bams doing Bam things. He's making us very happy that we trade away Hassan who I don't think is doing anything except Hassan stuff, right? So, you know, which is usually angry people. If we can get James Johnson and Deion Waiter's contract off the books, Well, I James Johnson happy. finally played in the last game, and it looks like, yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know how he was unconditioned because that man did not look fat at all. And if, I mean, gosh, man, I want to get into Miami Heat shape one day. Sheesh. They should open a gym, to be honest. <laughs> but um, fruits and salads, baby. Yeah. So, but he actually finally played in the game. Dion Waiter still hasn't played yet, but but it's it's been fantastic seeing them start out this way. Kendrick Nunn, once again, he was buried out in Santa Cruz for the Warriors in their G League team. We'll get to know them one day in another episode. But uh, yeah, he had a bit of a DV incident back in college, which is the reason why he was. He he went um, undrafted, really. It was just it was one incident. Yeah. Who knows? He, it looks like he's changed. He's twenty four years old now. He is by far a finished product, thanks to things like the G League, um, and so the Miami Heat, fantastic, fantastic scouting, fantastic work, fantastic working around the the salary cap, and they they landed him, and he's ready and, to go. He is a finished product and one player. Other thing? A coach who knows how to maximize every single talent. And a coach who will run out onto Spoh. the floor just to get a timeout. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Spo knows all his players' weaknesses and all his person's strengths. And that's why he made the conscious decision last year to take a man who was making $27 million a year, you guys, and say, screw this. You're getting the hell out of this starting unit, this starting lineup, and I'm just going to put you on the bench in the back end rotation mm -hmm. because I want to win. Yeah. It all start. yeah, Butler was the big addition, but it all really starts with the fact that Eric Spolstra is a great coach, underrated. He should. It's tough to say that. He should, if, if the Heat finish with 50 wins, he should win Coach of the Year. He should. Yeah, but just we, to get I one. I felt like he should. I thought he should have been even in contention for Coach of the Year when he came back uh, from being what they were like eleven they thirty three to finish eleven and thirty, and then they finished thirty and eleven. Yeah, and then they just but we don't want to do it. Why? Because it didn't yield success and you know anything. And let's be honest here, all awards say as you will, but I'm gonna say it: they're rigged, rigged, just like the NBA draft. Yeah, yeah. You know what's not rigged, you guys? Killing the undead into the dead too on your Nintendo Switch. <laughs> now because that's what Kendrick Nunn was doing before Miami Heat scouted him and said hey put down that controller even though that's a fantastic game we're gonna make you a star buddy actually um in one of our past watch streams I, I went on a whole massive tangent about the New York Knicks and why they can't fix themselves and it's basically I mean you look at what the Miami Heat do uh, look they could have tanked they could have tanked 
In fact, they, they, they could have taken that 11-30 and 30 start, but they didn't. They kept with the Miami Heat way for... And yes, it, it made them mediocre to average at best. Best from that era of the Hassan Whiteside era, you would say, was that, I don't know, that, that, that when Dwayne Wade was finally traded back and they lost in that first round to Philly. I mean, that was the highlight of it, to be honest. But um, they... They kept to their philosophy of not tanking just for the sake of tanking. And it yielded them Jimmy Butler, uh, partly because of Dwayne Wade. And we, we can thank him for that. That was his parting gift, really. And it's He's the real MVP, Wade. It's kept, you know, they kept Eric Spolstra. They kept uh, friggin', you know, Pat Riley's still there. Um, and, and, they've, they've, and they've got the, the salary cap guru. And um, what's that guy's name? The, the assistant GM. For the Miami Heat, yeah, I know you're talking about. I don't know his name. A uh, big giant guy, but yeah, and uh, just a bunch of things. They kept it all together, and it's yielding them this, and hopefully will yield them a massive free agent signing, enticing somebody come the falling off season. So it can work. You don't have to tank. You can kind of retool, even if it, you have to sacrifice two or three years. But you can retool and figure it out, and that's what good organizations do. So, and that's a whole other conversation we could have about tanking and its place in sports because it's becoming a thing now, and it's you know it's happening in basketball, it's happening in baseball, it's happening in hockey, and it's happening in football. And people are either getting sick of it or what have you. But um, uh, it, it's it's uh, maybe we could talk about it next week if nothing huge happens, but and we, we need something to talk about. But yeah, um, uh, but there's not much we could talk about the NBA because once again, like you said, most teams have played either five or six games, and there's not much else. So uh, we are at uh, 153 mark. So uh, Charles, uh, says, we have to do it. Yes, we must. We must. Let, let's head on over to the cage. And go ahead, dude. Right. We have unleashed you. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of The Cage with Charles, your weekly true flex, and keeping you updated in all things wrestling. And standard disclaimer. We, standard disclaimer, as we know. And this is not just for my love affair with the WWE, and it's getting good. It's also my pseudo-trist on the side with AEW and my fondest appreciation with other outside organizations such as New Japan Pro Wrestling and sometimes Ring of Honor. But, man, you guys really need some talent because it's hurting. Wrestling guys... Standard disclaimer, not fake. It's scripted. It's a dance. It's a ballet. It's a juicy soap opera about championships, wanting legacies, a love of man, a love of woman. It doesn't matter. It's good old-fashioned entertainment, and I love it. Boys, I thought last week was controversial and great and everything and then some. But, you know, the gift of Vince McMahon is it just gets better with every passing day because a lot has happened between when we did the show and then this very day. So I'm going to take it from the top. Mm. I'll go with uh, this. You know, The Fiend has won ah. the Universal Championship. The, you know, they had a pay-per-view on Halloween. The, you know, Crown Jewel, their blood money uh, pay-per-view event in Saudi Arabia. They had a lot of things happen in there. They had the greatest tag team turmoil, to which the OC... One, they had the women wrestling for the first time, Natalia and Lacey Evans, uh, you know, going on. They say it's breaking barriers. I mentioned like 50 times. If you were doing shots every time Michael Cole said it, you would probably have liver damage. Uh, 
And then the they had their own homegrown Mansoor Mountchalai. I don't know how to say his name. Go against Cesaro for a win. Actually, probably the best match of the night. And then you had the Fiend versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship in a Falls Count Anywhere. No stoppage because there was a controversial ending in the Hell in a Cell match. And the match for itself was pretty fun. Uh, you know, Seth has got to kind of... It's kind of tough to tell a story in the ring or outside of the ring when The Fiend is built to be a Michael Myers, very appropriate for Halloween. But at the end result, the ending sequence of the match, Seth basically just stomps him off into this electrical unit. Things kind of blow up. You're like, all right, this is it. That's how it makes sense. And then Fiend comes out of nowhere. Just Sister Abigail, Seth. And then he wins, and the camera went very, very spotlighty, and he won. It was something knowing that my boy finally did it, you guy. My boy finally did it. Vince finally pulled the trigger on it because I like Seth Rollins as a performer in the ring, as a as a character, not so much. I think he's more a natural heel. Heel for those who do not know, being bad guy. Thank but you. The fiend, I educate don't even a know, man. I try it to educate a goof, to learn a goof. Um, for me, it's just, you know, there was that ominous thing. You just see Bray in his terrifying mask, laughing, giggling, holding a prize. They got to they keep this going. They got to hold it for at least, you know, eight months going on, you know, make it a legitimate reign, and then whoever beats him is like a hoss that comes in and just, it, it's, it's good on my end. But then with every great success for Vince McMahon comes a controversy and boy, let me tell you, it was to my benefit as a fan because now there's Friday Night SmackDown. So they were supposed to come from their event Saudi Arabia, go to SmackDown, and go all this stuff. Well, that stuff changed real quick because they said there were some technical issues over in Saudi Arabia to okay. which all, if not all, the SmackDown roster could not come back to the States. The only ones who were there at the States were the people who chose not to go to Saudi Arabia for the political beliefs. Sami Zayn, Shins oh, no, Shinsuke was there. So Sami Zayn and... Daniel Bryan or the women. Why? Because women are not popular in Saudi Arabia. You know, politics aside, that's their thing. I won't go into that, even though it's wrong. Um, you know, so what could they do? There's rumblings in the back that says it wasn't because of technical airplane issues. It's because of there was some outrage that there was women wrestling in Saudi Arabia. I don't know, man. They were covered. Natalia and Lacey Evans were fully covered. But you're never going to get the truth. All you know is that there was grumblings in the, in the, uh, the wrestlers that were there saying Buddy Murphy was saying never again. Cedric Alexander was extremely unhappy. Reports show that Vince McMahon left on a private jet. Reports show that Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman left on a private jet. And then mm. WWE fumbles the statement and mm. says, like, the top 20 or the top whatever, you know, are stranded there. And then so all the people who are on the lower card are saying, wait a second, we're trashy, so morale is really bad. But then we had an excellent SmackDown because it's Survivor Series, you guys. It's Survivor Series season, two weeks from Sunday. So to learn a goof segment, Survivor Series is typically teams versus teams. But now with the brand extensions, you have, or expansions, you have usually SmackDown Raw. But guess who's getting in on the going, guys? NXT, my favorite brand of the WWE concepts. So you have NXT doing an invasion. And they invaded Friday. And boy, it was really good. Because your main event was Adam Cole so, versus Daniel Bryan. Hold on, educate a goof time now. What's okay? So what? I've, I keep hearing NXT, but what is? Is it does is is that the like development thing that we were talking about? Like NXT next? It was. It, it's still like the development brand, but it's 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 like UCF man. It's coming to the big table for for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It's okay. demanding. It got it's got a little bit of peach fuzz on the lip and a little bit of the uh, the ball sack hair on the chin. It's like hey man. I'm an adult. I'm going to eat with you guys now. And it's getting good. Remember, they're on USA now. They're live. 
they're generating some stuff. Now, mind you, I know the NXT invasion is just to get ratings for NXT because they're going against AEW, and AEW has been winning the ratings. But for the concept of stories, this is a Survivor Series. You want the brand feuds. You want everything like that. So your main event was Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole, and I felt like Leo and Django, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. And it was just lovely. Adam Cole won clean, and apparently... Vince McMahon said, hey, we're going to have him win clean. Winning clean means no interference, no shenanigans, no, no you know, weapon being used. Just straight up clean, baby. Good on Daniel Bryan for putting over Cole. Because I had concerns because Cole's kind of a tiny guy. He's like 5'11", and he's listed at 200 pounds, but I think I'm heavier than him. But he's so charismatic, and he's such a good technician in the ring. Fantastic. And they let over at, uh, you know, Monday, they had their invasion again on Raw. So... There's some controversial stuff brewing because Talon's very upset with Vince for basically undervaluing them, and it's understandable. You left us hanging, and we don't know what's going on. We're stuck in a foreign country. Maybe if the rumors are true, and mind you, rumors are like buttholes. Everybody's got one, right? But there's always some truth in some rumors and some gossip that, you know, maybe it wasn't just mechanical issues. Maybe it was because of certain kind of outspoken outrage that you guys allow the women to wrestle. And I understand breaking barriers, but this is still your talent. God forbid something did happen, you know, in a bad way. Think big, you know, but that's just me. But the other news is after this debacle where the talent's unhappy, as we got into Link, WWE and Saudi Arabia had extended their partnership to do 2027, wow. up until 2027. So they're going to include another big show. So I don't know what they're going to do. You got people who don't want to be there, I mean, you already let people not go for political values, political beliefs, which is great on you for not forcing your uh, employees to go do something they want to do because they actually have, like Sami Zayn's a Libyan, if I'm not mistaken, he refugee with family. Of course he's not going to want to go, so good for respecting that. But now, are you, if, if the rumors hold true of how the crowd outrage was, are you going to respect their wishes for not you know, for not wanting to go there because they didn't like the treatment of their brethren. Because it's a family unit, man. They're on the road 300 days out of the year. You're all together. Very controversial, and I love it. And there's been no resolution at the moment to the Jordan Miles incident. We'll see what happens there, because I think he kind of wants to be released, but it's probably going to be a bad PR move for them to do that. And then over in AEW, full gear is this weekend. you got Cody Rhodes versus Chris Jericho. They're doing pretty well in some of that promise, but then you also have Kenny Omega versus John Moxley. But when you destroy the concept of win-loss records, saying it doesn't count, then what's the whole thing, man? I'm upset about that still. So petty. Tomorrow's Dynamite. I'll watch it because we're doing the podcast tonight. I'll get you guys a little bit updated, and then we'll see if uh, if my boy, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, retains his title against Cody Rhodes. I would like him to. I think he needs to have that title the AEW Heavyweight Championship to keep putting over some guys. I think still, yeah, remember, AEW has only been in existence now for, what, a whole month, even though wow. they've had pay-per-views prior. They kind of put Cody as, because remember, Cody Rose in real life is a vice president of AEW. They kind of put the belt on him, kind of, kind of seems like a, hey, it's a, I, I can't say it on the screen, I can't say it on the air, so I won't, but what I will say is, uh, it's just not cool, man. I think you got to kind of be humble, take a couple L's or just have matches with other dudes to help develop the guys that they don't know and then get the title a little bit later. That's what I'll say. you know. And you guys could be doing this and more. Watch some wrestling while you're – take a break from playing Into yeah. the Dead 2 on your Nintendo Switch and watch some wrestling. I was hoping like at some point – because we've been doing these watch streams and you know we did uh, some – I've done some hockey games, some basketball games, college hockey, that type of stuff. 
uh, we have to do it one for wrestling where we sit down with you on here on the air with with the broadcast we sit down i put it on my tv here your tv over there and we just sit down and you just talk us through what the hell is going on on screen and we just have a good old good old time watching uh sitting down and watching wrestling for for you know and whoever wants to join us for that they can join us for that you know yeah i mean like one day maybe it's yeah. kind of tough with friday night smackdown yeah because boy but, like a wednesday night is, wednesday night you know aew could watch night, an aew yeah. match yeah we could do aew we can even do nxt mm. so everything is a possibility we'll we'll put it into the cards we'll put All right, it into the cards okay all right, guys, uh, let's see. We are at two hours and four minutes. If there's any other parting words uh, before we actually go, anything else? Nah? I'm all good. We've said our piece. Andrew, uh, nothing from you? We're, we're good? All righty. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, guys, so that's it. We, we covered pretty much a little of everything. Uh, there was some Major League Which Baseball is what we're stuff. we to do every week. Yeah, there's some Major League Baseball stuff, but we'll get to that once all the awards are announced. Uh, yep. And um, thank you for joining us, Sports Goose 41. Uh, that's it. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Play Into the Dead 2 on your Nintendo Switch. Good night. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Andrew said uh, Astro Gaming AR40, whatever those headsets. Get on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Shoots! Truly a great game for this youngster. A double-double. Play after play, he's been huge for his team. Great playing from this kid, John.